Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello. You're listening to Strides Forward, where we share stories about women ultramarathon and marathon runners, with each story focused on a particular topic or theme. My name is Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a runner and also the host and creator of Strides Forward. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're new to the podcast, I'm so happy you've arrived. For this episode, we're exploring a topic that's critical to running long distances, and that's the skill of problem-solving. And there's one woman in particular I've wanted to talk to for a while about this, because I know it's something she's really good at. My name is Courtney DeWalter. I live in Golden, Colorado. Courtney DeWalter is well-known in the ultra-running community, and news of her accomplishments has even extended into mainstream media. She started gaining wider recognition in 2017 when she won the Moab 240 Endurance Run outright. That's 240, as in miles. She's also won internationally prestigious races like Western States and UTMB, She's held the 24-hour record, and in 2020, she won the U.S. title for the Biggs Backyard Ultra Challenge, a race with a unique format, and we'll get to that a bit more later on. Courtney is undeniably one of the best ultra runners in the world. And in hand with that, she's also developed a deep interest in exploring the limits of human endurance. Said another way, She wins races, and she goes after pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Through these pursuits, she's learned a lot about the many obstacles runners face in ultra events and how to resolve them. Because in any really long challenge, there are many moving pieces, and the ability to navigate those pieces well plays a huge part in how fast you'll get from the start to the finish, or if you'll make it to the finish at all. Some of this happens in preparation for an event, and much of it happens during the event. And a core part of that navigation is problem-solving. All this, however, wasn't anywhere in Courtney's mind when she lined up for her very first longer-distance run, a road marathon she did in 2007 when she was 22. I was standing on the start line, texting goodbye to my family and friends because I thought 26.2 miles would kill me. Courtney has been a lifelong athlete. In middle school and high school, she ran cross-country and track. And during college, she competed in cross-country skiing. When she moved to Mississippi for graduate school, she returned to running and soon enough got herself to the start line of that marathon thinking the distance might kill her. I never would have guessed I'd make it 26.2 miles. Um, When I actually made it, then I just wondered, you know, what's the next thing that 
sounds too hard to do that I could actually finish if I just try. A switch had been flipped. I realize how fun it is to go that far and to surprise yourself. A few years later, in 2011, Courtney started looking for the next thing that might sound too hard, but that she just might be able to finish if she tried. In the world of running, if you're looking to go further than the 26.2 miles of the standard marathon, the next most common race distance is 50 kilometers, which is about 32 miles. And with this, you enter the realm of ultramarathons, races that are longer than a marathon. In many parts of the world, those events happen on trails. So not only are you running further, you're probably going to be navigating routes, rocks, trees, and hills. I remember loving how free it felt to be running through this forest, like weaving around on dirt trails and No one out there cared what their time was at the end of it. It was like, let's just enjoy a day out on the trails and eat some snacks at these aid stations when we get there. And eventually they'll tell us that we're done and that will be the finish line. You know, it was like not so much keeping track of the mileage as just enjoying the run, like enjoying being out in the woods all day. I remember loving that feeling and it it made me want to try more ultras. Of course, my legs were hurting and it was hard to run that far, but also it was really fun. Later that year, Courtney notched up her ambitions and finished a 50-miler, the Run Rabbit Run in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. This same event offers a 100-mile option, and Courtney decided that that would be her next big challenge the following year. A common goal with hundreds is to finish in less than 24 hours. That's one full day of putting one foot in front of the other without significant rest. It means dealing with the cold of morning, then the heat of the day, and the dark of night. You eat on the run, you drink on the run, you process pain and emotions and wandering thoughts on the run. Even for veteran ultra runners, these are always a huge, unpredictable challenge. I was excited and so scared when I was starting it. I had no idea what to expect, but I was hoping that I would just figure it out while I was out there. Courtney was buoyed by hope and excitement. She also had some good experience under her belt, and she had a reasonable dose of fear. With that, she stepped into the unknown to discover how to figure out this ultra thing. What she didn't yet know was that within less than 24 hours, she'd come away with profound insights that would reverberate for years to come. When I hit mile, like, 40, about my legs were just trash. They were so tired. My body hurt so bad. I trudged it through the next 10-mile segment till I saw my crew at mile 50. And then I was like, I don't know how I would do this whole thing I just did on repeat again. Like, how do I go 50 more miles, 50 more miles, 50 more miles, 50 miles. more miles? How do more I go miles. 50 I don't know how I would do this whole thing I just did on repeat again. Courtney had met the great specter of doubt. So from 
mile 50 to mile 60, basically I just whirlpool, I whirlpooled myself into this like really negative space in my head. Because doubts and other negative self-talk have a way of convincing us that they're true. And they also have a strong tendency to multiply and run on repeat. As Courtney would come to understand, pulling out of this dark whirlpool is a critical part of figuring out how to get through these longer distances. I told myself that I wasn't capable of 100 miles and, you know, that there's no way if my legs hurt this bad that I could make it to the finish line and that it was, you know, a joke that I even thought to sign up for this. Who are you to think that you can do this? Just got into like all the negative self-talk that can happen and ended up dropping out at mile 60. That day, Courtney came away with a very important piece of understanding. I had convinced myself that I wasn't capable of finishing. She had been the architect of her own demise, but that also meant she held the levers of control to build a different outcome. I had no idea the whole mental game involved in ultra running and and how powerful our brains can actually be. I'm really thankful because that experience triggered this whole thing in me. It pushed over this first domino of figuring out the 100-mile distance, figuring out the mental game involved in ultra running. The mental game was the first domino, but it wasn't the last. Figuring out how to navigate all of these pieces sparked a deep curiosity in Courtney that has captivated her ever since. Through more 50-milers, 100-milers, 24-hour races, that 240-mile Moab race, and more. And for the record, Courtney went back and conquered the Run Rabbit Run 100 a few times, winning it twice. And with every experience, she banks a little more knowledge about these complex events. There's all these puzzle pieces that, you know, I start to figure out and then I'll do a race and that puzzle piece or what I think I figured out about it will get thrown out the window again and and we have to like reassess it. So some of them are like training has many puzzle pieces of its own. I would say the mental game has a lot of pieces, nutrition, gear, those kinds of things. And then... uh problem solving in the moment. So when things come up that you didn't expect, having some sort of arsenal of ideas, at least, to solve that problem is more puzzle pieces. And one thing that ultras can guarantee is that there will always be something that comes up that you didn't expect. And dealing with an unhappy digestive system is very common. Uh, You think you have dialed your nutrition plan and you've figured out how to keep fuel going in during a long effort. And then on a certain day, for whatever reason, it's uh, coming back up on the trail instead of going in and fueling you to keep running. There are a few hard realities in ultra running that will end your race no matter how much will you have to continue. One is that... If you can't keep food and liquid in, your miles are numbered. There will come a point when there's no amount of positive thinking that's going to keep you going if you become too dehydrated or depleted. At the Tahoe 200, my nutrition had to go out the window basically from mile 
uh, 30 on because the nutrition I normally use during a long race like this wasn't staying in at all. Courtney is talking about the grueling 200-mile race that takes place in the Sierra Mountain Range in the Lake Tahoe area that spans California and Nevada. She decided to tackle this massive challenge in 2018. So to spell this out, she was facing 170 miles of running at altitude over incredibly challenging terrain through day and night, and she couldn't keep anything down. And so then we were just trying everything. So being open-minded to test anything that my crew could come up with to, you know, give me at the next aid station and be willing to have more speed bumps along the way as we solve it, but then eventually find the thing that stays in. And for this one, it took from mile 30 until about a mile 130 to figure out that pancakes would stay in and nothing else was really working. So then it was just pancakes for the 70 remaining miles. <laughs> 70 miles of pancakes. You do what you must. Like in 2017, during the closing miles of the Run Rabbit Run 100 miler, Courtney was feeling good and she was well in the lead. But then she started to notice something very strange happening. When I was about 15 miles out from the finish, I was having like this weird blurriness on the edges of my vision. And as I kept moving forward through the miles, the blurriness like slowly seeped in and covered my entire field of vision and it went pure white. Courtney was out on a tough trail in the mountains of Colorado. She was alone. She had already been running for 85 miles. And now she couldn't see. When I held my hand in front of my face, I couldn't see my hand. Courtney had covered roughly five miles in the time that it took her vision to become almost completely obscured. And as alarming as it was, she had this innate sense that this was temporary and otherwise she really felt fine. And in the least, she needed to get to the next aid station. So she focused on figuring out what to do. If I stared straight down at the ground, I could see this tiny little arc in front of my toes of ground. And so that was my solution to getting to that finish line is just stare straight at your feet. Make sure you stay on the trail by watching this dirt path and keep moving as quickly as possible to get these 10 miles done. Courtney had the will and she'd found the way. There was, however, the reality of getting it done. It wasn't pretty. I mean, when you can't predict what's coming on a trail, you often trip on a lot of things. So I was just like belly flopping my way down the trail through these last 10 miles. But every time I fell, it was like, get back up, dust yourself off, make sure everything is okay. Like that I wasn't, you know, actually injuring myself and then resume looking straight down at my toes and trying to move as quickly as possible. Courtney ran and tripped and belly flopped her way to the next aid station. From there, the race organizers allowed a volunteer, and then later on Courtney's husband, to run with her and alert her to obstacles along the trail. 
And that is how Courtney won her second Run Rabbit Run. Courtney's vision did return a short time later, and as she would come to learn, she wasn't alone in this experience. Researchers call this temporary blindness ultramarathon-associated vision loss. And they've found that it happens to a very, very small percentage of ultra runners. For Courtney, going through these experiences has led her to discover that she has a great willingness to do whatever it takes to solve the puzzle of getting to the end of an ultra, however unappealing her solutions might be. But that's been tempered by understanding when it's really time to stop. In 2019, while on a bid to set the course record at the Western States 100-mile trail race in California, Courtney opted to pull out. A hip injury was threatening to cause some real damage, and it was time to call it. In 2020, Courtney set out on the roughly 490-mile-long Colorado Trail to clock the fastest known time, or as they're better known, an FKT. That is, she was attempting to cover the entire distance of the trail faster than anyone else. But after five days of running, covering over 300 miles, Courtney had started to wheeze. Badly. She and her crew decided it was time to stop and get Courtney to an emergency room. There, she was diagnosed with acute bronchitis. But within just a matter of days, as she rested and let her lungs heal, Courtney was already musing about completing the entire trail. All of Courtney's accumulated efforts have landed her at an exciting intersection— She has a good understanding of knowing when enough is enough, but she's also maintained a consistent interest in exploring the ultimate boundaries of her abilities. I'm really interested about, you know, physically what are what we can do and how far we can go and and what that looks like. But more so, I'm interested in how our brains actually play a part in that and help us overcome some of those obstacles along the way. So it's a huge driving force for me. And I think that's primarily why I'm so interested in the races that are 100 miles plus, because those really long distances, like a 200 mile race is requiring a whole lot of mental game and then some physical as well, obviously to go that far. But like, I don't know, it's just so cool what you're, what our brains can do. And uh, that's a huge driving force for me in my ultra running and in the like challenges that I want to take on. The profound challenge of reigning in the brain, of flipping the script, as Courtney says, changing that negative doubting dialogue to something positive in the midst of pain and reaching out into the unknown takes a lot of practice and persistence. Uh, Now I use a lot of mantras, so I'll just try and push out the negative thoughts by repeating to myself something over and over, like, uh, you're fine, this is fine, everything is fine. That's one of my mantras that I use quite often. That inner dialogue may be simple, but it's the sticking to it that proves to be very, very difficult. I think if you just make less room in your brain for the negative thoughts, then uh, eventually maybe you can forget that they're there and you can push past them. It's a game of unrelenting determination because the fact of the matter is 
you're constantly facing a rather unpleasant reality. Of course it hurts. It hurts to run this far, but that's when you stay strong in your head and you let this bad wave pass through. While pain may become a steady companion as the hours go on, times of good and bad will come and go. Sometimes simple efforts can shift things in a better direction. Calories often help as well. So just taking in some food, taking in the view, like appreciating where my feet have gotten me and, you know, what I'm getting to spend my day doing. Of course, a huge part of Courtney appreciating where her feet have gotten her has to do with the fact that she's covering distances that are very, very far. Being out there for 24 or 48 hours or three days is allowing for more problems to come up and more, I don't know, you have to like shuffle around your puzzle pieces a little bit more during the race because uh, it's really hard to predict what might go down in a 48-hour running event or like what wrenches will be thrown in your day. I think I'm drawn to the problem solving that's included as the events get longer. And sometimes that problem solving involves facing head on the stark reality of how difficult these challenges are. I also have learned to embrace those moments in races that are really hard where you go to the pain cave because they've become like pretty special to me where you know you you can't uh, summon the pain cave just by wishing it was there you have to be like trying pushing really hard and doing something pretty cool usually to find the entrance to that pain cave so like celebrating its arrival is uh, it's a pretty fun mindset to have I think One event that's become particularly interesting to Courtney is the Biggs Backyard Ultra Challenge. Biggs has a unique format, and there's no set finish. Every hour, runners complete a course that's just over four miles long. They keep at this day and night, every hour. The race ends when only one runner is left. That means that the final race distance is actually determined by the person or people who stop and leave only one person remaining. The race started in Bellbuckle, Tennessee, and that has remained the premier backyard event. But there are now backyard ultras all over the world. And on October 17, 2020, several such events were held in various countries throughout the world, forming something of a world championship. Courtney won the U.S. version, which took place at that original Tennessee location. She completed 68 laps. That's 68 hours of running just over four miles every single hour. Put another way, Courtney covered 283.3 miles over the course of almost three days of running. Something to keep in mind about this race is that the logistics are very straightforward. The course is a known entity, so there's no course navigation or surprises. And you have access to everything you need every single hour. 
Most people have a crew at the start-finish area who help with meal and drink prep, massages, clothing changes, and anything else a runner might need. The only thing left to do is run. Well, run and think. It's simple and it's brutal. For Courtney, there's a lot of room for discovery and some different types of problem solving to be explored. Just like fine-tuning the mental state that you can go into and, and playing around with, like, where am I in my head? Am I thinking ahead to the next lap or am I staying right here in this current lap? What am I, what am I doing with my headspace and is it serving me well or is it, like, harming me in any way during this. So it's fun just as like a science experiment on yourself to, to play around with all of those things. And during Big's Backyard, you can think about a lot of it because you have all the time in the world and just this four mile loop that you're existing on. So like, I remember spending a lot of laps, like thinking about what I was thinking about and if it was helping me or not. What Courtney found out there in those hours of pain, uncertainty, curiosity, and determination was a very simple answer, but also one that is so deceptively difficult to execute. For sure, staying in the moment was helping. So not getting ahead of myself and not thinking of, you know, the next hundred miles or, oh, we want to hit 400. So oh, how many more days would that be? You know, like, that can feel very overwhelming when you're doing this four-mile loop on repeat. And uh, I found it to be most useful to stay right where my feet were and to just tackle each four-mile loop one at a time. Courtney found what worked, and she also came to understand what didn't work. It wasn't working to think about like I remember thinking about waiting, wanting sunrise to come and it was like the middle of the night and sunrise was five hours off still, which is five of these four mile loops, which can seem like a, a lifetime. Um, so I remember starting to think about sunrise and then getting a little bit down on like how far away that actually was and, and what that meant for these laps I was running. Uh, so that one got shoved out immediately, like any sort of extra stressing. So it was really hot and humid. So thinking about how hot and humid it was didn't actually change the fact that it was hot and humid. So, you know, removing those thoughts and just accepting like this is the weather that we've got right now. So just stay right here one lap at a time. Staying right here mentally, physically, and emotionally. Over the years, during these really long ultras, I've learned that if you just deal with the facts, if you stay in the fact zone and you try and keep emotion out of it, you're often able to think more clearly and then problem solve more quickly so that you can you know, move on and get back to the enjoyment of running. But sometimes when... Uh, you know, everything is tumbling down and every problem is coming up. And if you let emotion get into it, then you just start, you know, spinning in circles, freaking out and, you know, getting in your own way. 
And in among the not freaking out, the staying right here, the focus on the positive, the batting away of negative spiraling thoughts, there comes that place of facing the difficulty, that sacred arena of the pain cave. It's that place you get to when it feels like you can't go anymore and you've reached your limit. But if you just can dig in a little bit more, you enter the pain cave. And uh, it's, yeah, it's a pretty special place where you're finding out what's really possible for yourself if you just keep on digging into this cave. With every agonizing step in that deep, physical pain, instead of spiraling into a whirlpool of doubt, Courtney started a journey of exploring possibilities. I used to picture a really comfy chair and like a fluffy rug and like the pain cave was where I pushed into it and entered it. But then once I was there, I just relaxed and and hung out in the pain cave. And it was like, not a place of action. It was a place that I got to and then just stayed in. It's fitting, of course, that as Courtney's goals and experience have evolved, this place of comfort or no action and of staying put have evolved as well. Now I picture it more where I put on a hard hat and I grab a chisel and I I'm trying to make my cave as big as possible. And so I'm like heading back into these caverns and just chiseling away. And it's this place where I'm actually doing work. And this is where like production happens. And this is the whole purpose of why I'm ultra running is to make this cave as big as possible. And every single time it begins with this basic act of getting outside and moving forward. It's just so cool. Like the places our feet can take us that you wouldn't get to otherwise are so special. The views that you can get, the sunrises and sunsets. So I I love it for a million and one reasons. And with that, we have come to the end of our story with Courtney DeWalter. I am so thankful to Courtney for sharing her story about problem solving and the special space of the pain cave in her ultra running. I'm also really thankful to you for listening. We love making these stories about women who run long distances, but they are, of course, meant to be shared. So you being here is an integral part of the process. Thank you. We have a lot happening at Strides Forward, including our redesigned website, please check it out at stridesforwardpodcast.com. There you'll find merch. Yes, we have Strides Forward merchandise. We'd love for you to check it out. There's a link in the show notes to that and our social media channels. The Strides Forward team includes me, Cherie Turner, your host and producer. It also includes Cormac O'Regan, who creates and places all of the music you hear. He does that from his studio in Cork, Ireland. April Mariner of Bonfire Collaborative does all of the design work for the show, including the website, the merch, and the logo. April comes to you from Truckee, California, and you can find her at bonfirecollaborative.com. 
Strides Forward will be back in February with a new season of shows. In the meantime, please check out our newly designed website and our merch. Proceeds from sales are split between charitable donations and supporting this show. And speaking of support, thank you for yours. Until next time, this is Cherie wishing you satisfying strides forward. That strides forward. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.